Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder. And I'm Sarah Severson. The story you're about to hear was told by Heather Snow in November when the theme was Strangers. Heather is a long-term resident of Durango, Colorado, who now lives in Mancus, Colorado. An aspiring writer and author, she is also a retired massage therapist, nutritionist, and anti-war activist. She tried to be a vegetarian in the 80s, but quickly became a closet chicken eater. Here is Heather's story. I lived in Long Island, New York in 1973, and I was an abused child. And one of the things we learn as abused children is how to accept how strangers, we allow strangers into our lives easily. So um, at 15, we were all hippies, and hitchhiking was the thing to do. We did it alone, we did it together. When I was 17, I wanted to run away from home, and so I did. And I hitchhiked across Canada. I somehow thought that Canada was going to be a lot better than the United States. But um, that turned out to be a very dangerous trip, and I didn't have any way to uh, find out if that was true. So when I was 23, I was going to school in Boulder and living out in Longmont. Now in those days, Longmont was huge fields and it was just vast. And I used to hitchhike at night and this particular night, I was hitchhiking from Boulder to Longmont. This is 1979. And um, it's a particularly dark night. There's no cloud, I mean there's clouds and there's no stars. And the road is really, really dark. So um, I, get pulled, I get picked up by this guy in a gold Mercedes. And I go running up into the window and I look inside and it, it's a fairly conservative looking guy. He's got short hair and he's wearing a suit and tie. And he's, uh, he looks okay, so I get in. And the first thing I notice in the car is a bottle of pills. A bottle of prescription pills are sitting on the dashboard. And I think to myself, hmm, that's kind of weird. And then he was all like 100 miles an hour talking about um, a Diana Ross concert that he just got back from. And I thought that was strange too because I hadn't heard anything about a Diana Ross concert. So um, all of a sudden he says, well, let's get pizza. And before I know it, he's pulled off the road and we're in a pizza joint, a place I didn't even know existed. And we leave the car and the car is running. And I think, hmm. And uh, we get into the pizza place and he um, downs two beers and a piece of pizza about as fast as he can. And I'm just sitting there feeling a little uncomfortable because he's suddenly gotten very quiet. And he keeps looking out at the car. And I'm starting to feel nervous. I'm like, well, maybe I, I should have got another ride. And so all of a sudden, he scoops up the bill, pays the bill, and we're off to the car. And on the way to the car, I'm thinking I should get another ride. Well, I get into the car. 
And um, he pulls out onto the highway and he says, oh, I want to show you my plane. And I said, no, I don't want to see your plane. I want to go home. And he, he hangs his turn onto a left road, I mean, onto a dirt road. And there's no signs. It's completely dark. I can't tell you how dark it was. I couldn't see anything. And we're driving down this dirt road. And finally, I see a house. And I think, oh, well, that's kind of weird. Somebody lives out here. And um, I'm like, I really want to go home. And he hangs over this turn. And then, sure enough, there's this airfield. I go, oh, well, maybe this guy's for real after all. And um, he just points out amorphously and says, there's my plane. And I said, huh, well, that's nice. Let's go now. And he says, he puts his hand over the bucket seat. And he looks at me and he says, no, I'm going to fuck you now. And everything in me fell on the floor. And time froze. And I was like, is this guy for real? Is this going to happen? And uh, I'm sitting there. And I'm trying to think of all the things I can do to get out of this. And so I think, OK, I'm going to run. I'm sitting over as far as I can on the passenger side. And I got my backpack. And I could just grab my backpack and run. Well, it's pitch black. I can't see anything. How am I going to run in the dark? And so I, if I did, he'd probably catch me. I'd fall down and break my leg. So I put that idea out of my head. And he, meanwhile, he's sitting there with his arm over the chair, and he's just looking at me. And I can see his face and his eyes, and his eyes are so dark. And I swear, his nose is growing. And I can smell his really bad cologne. And I'm getting really worried. And I think to myself, OK, what did I learn in self-defense school? Oh, yeah. I could get him in a really good position, and I could gouge his eyes out. Uh, or I could get him in another position, and I could bite his balls. <laughs> and all these ideas are in my head. I'm going, oh, that doesn't seem like very likely. Uh, uh, I'd probably get killed. And so meanwhile, he's sitting there, and he's just looking at me. And he's totally quiet, and he's starting to sneer. And I can see the sweat bubbling on his forehead. And I can see him thinking things, like, what's he going to do to me? And then I think, OK. And then I start crying. And I just wail. And I try to reason with him through all these tears. You don't want to do this. What's the matter with you? Um, on and on, I try everything I can think of. And, and he's like starting to laugh. He's smiling. And, and I'm just like, then I go into hysterics. And I start screaming and crying, get, don't you get near me, you motherfucker. I'll fight back. I'll kick your ass. Don't you get near me. And, and, and he just thought that was even funnier. And he's leaning back in his seat. Going, <laughs> and OK, so I'm out of ideas. And he, he starts to move. And I'm just like, this is it. Something's going to happen. I don't know what, but this is it. And so he takes his arm off the back of the chair, and he slides toward the driver's side, and he gets out. And he's standing there taking a piss. And I'm like sitting over here going, 
got out of the car. Ooh, he got out of the car. And, and then this voice in my head yells about as loud as it can. It says, close the door. And I'm like, oh, oh, close the door. So I slide over and I close the door just quietly. And he turns around just as this voice says, lock the door. And I'm like, Oh, lock the door. So I look down and I hit whatever button. I'm hoping it's the master lock. And sure enough, it's the master lock. And he's like hitting the window. And I'm like, okay, I'm sitting in the driver's seat. The car's running. It's in park. And I'm like, okay. And so he says, oh, I got something in the back. And he goes running to the back. And just as he's coming back around with a crowbar in his hand, this voice yells in my head, Drive the car! <laughs> so I'm like, oh, oh yeah, drive the car, drive the car. Oh, okay, there's no key, but I put it in drive. So just as he's there, I slam on the gas and take off and leave him in a pile of dust. So, so I'm driving in this place that's completely dark. I have no idea where I am. It seems like I'm driving in circles for quite a while. And I'm laughing. And I'm crying. And I'm freaking out. I got away. Holy shit, I got away. And, and um, I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of here, though. And I'm afraid he's going to pop up at any minute. And then all of a sudden, I see that house that I remembered from the beginning. And, and I said, oh. I must be on the right road. So I stay on the road, and I go around this big turn, and then all of a sudden, there's the exit. But there he was, and he's like this. And I'm like, what are you kidding? Motherfucker! And so I drove past him as fast as I could. And I drove out onto the highway, and I went about 80 miles an hour to my house. And we get home, and the car is still running. And the roommates come out, and we're like, car is still running. Where's keys? And the cops come, and stolen car, of course. <laughs> and then they want me to come down to the uh, precinct to uh, look at pictures. So I look at pictures, and there he is. The guy had three counts of rape against him. He was serious. So I couldn't do much about him. Uh, it was a long process of legal processes, and I couldn't nail him, but they nailed him for the stolen car. And I got a new appreciation for hitchhiking, and I stopped hitchhiking. <laughs> and I took better care of my precious life, and I didn't put it in hands of strangers anymore. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Heather, for telling that story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. And don't miss our Story Slam event coming up on January 13th in 2018 at the Durango Arts Center when the theme will be Cold Feet. You can also subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And of course, share these stories with your friends and comment on them. We love your comments. Special thanks to our photographer, McCarson Tafoya of Red Scarf Shots. 
Check out the portraits of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website, and be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com. Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar, and you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org. Now for the outtake. God bless America, land that I love. Wow, we are like not in tune, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I thought that that was like no? right on key, wasn't it? Isn't it was. that what? You're right. I know. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> we should also sing together after we do co-producing. We should. We should. I don't know why you haven't we invited me into song. your group, I know. dear quartet. I don't know why either. <laughs>